Oh, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Podcasting Guild, where he has never seen the show and neither of us still know what we're doing. For today's episode, we're going to be taking a look at the Babylon 5 Season 1 episode, The Believers. And right up front, let me just preface this by saying this is a difficult episode. And yeah, probably thanks, not one thanks to watch. for this one, Eric. <laughs> thanks for yeah. this one. Probably not one to watch if you're feeling down. Bright brightened up my weekend. Yeah, excellent for that. Yeah, no, this this was a tough one. Uh, the B plot was fun. Yeah, a little Enjoyed little aside with the B plot. Yeah, yeah, lighthearted. But yeah, basically, this was an episode of House in Space. <laughs> with Before House, the, oh no. Yeah, House the uh, you know the medical drama show from the mid 2000s you know i used to watch that every once in a while with my mom who who Mm -hmm. is a healthcare professional and she would find it almost comical how unethically house acts and you know she'd be like you'd have he'd have lost his license three times over in just this episode like none of this is allowed none of this is ethical and that's exactly how i felt watching this episode (laughs) (laughs) i mean you know we'll we'll as i love to say we'll get into it but yeah dr franklin i you know it's the far future maybe they unanswered the questions that we have answered but it's like dude we have the answers to these moral quandaries in the medical field like you can't do shit to people who don't ask who who ask you not to do it anyway all right let's talk about it let's talk about it so the episode opens basically with a young alien in the med lab with its two alien parents and they they basically you know they had like eyebrow ridges you know, plastered on and they, you know, they, they had kind of the Klingon treatment, right. Where they're clearly just humans, but with a little bit of alien makeup, but they were very obviously supposed to be the alien version of like evangelical born again, like American Protestant, uh, you know, kind of Christian, uh, uh, sex that, you know, find themselves in the news every once in a while for letting their kids die because they refuse medical treatment or, you know, whatever. Right. You know, Jehovah's Witness, you know, is a famous example that don't allow blood transfusions or maybe uh, organ donations and stuff, too. So, yeah. And so basically the meat of the episode was Dr. Franklin having like a crisis of conscious over not treating this child because the parents, you know, can't allow him to perform any surgery, you know, and it's as like emotionally (laughs) brutal as it sounds to have this, you know, this kid who, you know, he wasn't like the, the best kid actor ever, but still, but still it's, you know, he acted like he was dying well enough (laughs) to make it hard to watch. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't say I enjoyed it. I think it was, totally on brand for babylon 5 taking one of the issues that star trek will be like oh yeah we remember when we used to deal with that stuff 500 years ago and they're like right. no 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 you're dealing with it right now mm-hmm. uh so yeah. you know that that was interesting it was a a, a fertile 
choice of subject matter i think to explore but i can't say i enjoyed watching this episode (laughs) yeah this is not an episode that one necessarily enjoys and to be sure i think historically this was quite a controversial episode uh, for obvious reasons right it's interrogating religion and religious beliefs and what those entail and this i think aired around a period where these topics were somewhat in the news Oh, yeah. I forget the individual in question, but I remember there was a, uh, a right to death case going on in Florida in the, in the 90s. I forget who it was, but certainly a topic similar to that, right? And so, by no means is this an easy episode, but when was that, that uh, was that Terry Schiavo? I think it might have been. I think it was I think it, I think it might have been too. Yeah, I agree that mid 90s does sound about right for this to be in the news well the, I, maybe not i thought terry shy was a little bit later but maybe it went on for a long time yeah no i think you're right i think i think there were some prominent cases in the news i remember south park had an episode on, on the terry Shivo case so mm-hmm. yeah yeah i i believe you when you say it was a controversial episode <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah why don't we dive into it and go a quick walkthrough of the episode the episode itself follows a fairly straightforward structure as you mentioned with the the house situation starting in med lab hey we didn't start in in customs for once i know yeah i should have started with someone getting murdered in customs i was i was like what show are we watching yeah (laughs) yeah start off in in uh med lab and they do slow roll the major tension um, like a, it is a little interesting at the beginning that to see how sort of solemn and concerned the parents are and how the doctors are like, oh, this is this is no big deal. Like, right. no problem. Quick snip snip. We'll fix it right up. And then, you know, by the end of, you know, no, it takes it takes a f- like two or three scenes, I feel like, for the the full uh, scope of the plot arc like the, you know, the 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 main tension of the episode to actually be established but yeah yeah by by the end of this conversation about their son in the med lab the doctors are like basically arguing your son's gonna die how can you just let him die and they're like yeah but cutting people open makes them soulless so yeah. don't do that please <laughs> <laughs> And uh, then the doctors argue amongst themselves with Dr. Franklin scolding this woman for scolding the parents, which is pretty hypocritical because like (laughs) two scenes later, Dr. Franklin is scolding these these parents in the exact same way. Yeah, I I thought that was a one little uh, standout moment where you're basically accusing her of doing what you're going to do later on. and Yeah, it's true. And then at the end, she's like, well, I owe you a steak dinner. It's like, even if there wasn't that horrible twist at the end, you still wouldn't owe a steak dinner. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. uh, but okay, yeah. So the kid is dying. He And the parents are like, yeah, like I said, sort of Klingon nated makeup. And they talk kind of like that too. They have this this way of talking that that's i think meant to evoke like simple religious folk in the country Mm. uh that's what it evoked in my imagination at least Uh, but of course they're in space right right so so by country i mean their home planet which is of course all one thing and that one (laughs) thing is 
you know, quiet, ignorant religious folks. <laughs> right. And they're the only chosen people in the galaxy, despite meeting all these dozens, if not hundreds of alien species. I know. I know. There was a few, there was a few points in, in the episode where they told, they're talking to other people. They're like, well, you're not, you're not the chosen. And, you know, as a, as a Jewish person, I'm like, I feel you, dude. Right. You know, you're going outside and there's all these not chosen around. You're like, fine, I get it. (laughs) But yeah, they were really throwing like, yeah, but you're not chosen. It's like, God, you know, if you if you really thought you were chosen, maybe you'd be a little bit cool about it. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe you'd be a little bit chill about it. But no, they're just walking up to everyone like, (laughs) oh, well, you wouldn't understand. You're not chosen. Yeah. Just a, a funny aside. I read an article you know, because we need a bit of levity in this episode anyways. But I read an article, I think, last week about how NASA was engaging a bunch of uh, religious leaders about topics of how they feel their congregations would respond to news of aliens uh-huh. breaking uh-huh. out. And I just thought that was kind of funny. And I think it's an interesting thing to think about, like, how does religion deal with aliens and, and species outside of our own? Yeah. are intelligent and have their own belief systems and i think that's something that obviously this species in question is a question they haven't really tackled head on apparently because yeah they look down on everyone even more advanced species than their own yeah no totally well and in a way i i feel like we actually got our answer how mm-hmm. at least at least religions of the past would respond to aliens because like you know the abrahamic religions were were well developed had you know many centuries of history and then the new world was discovered mm. right and it's like well a not only did your holy books never say anything <laughs> about the whole other half of the world right you know like i got a hundred bucks for anyone who can find kangaroos in the bible uh <laughs> you know not only that but the people who live there have never heard of your dude he's supposed mm. to he's supposed to know the whole earth right these these guys never heard of them and their response was to be like oh well lucky we found them uh <laughs> because now we can save their souls and you know steal all their stuff in the process but you know i i so i can't help but think that the really fervently religious at least those that have this you know conversion dogma like mm-hmm. at least christianity and, and islam do I can't help but feel like we already know the answer, which is, you know, oh boy, a bunch of new potential converts. Yeah. I wonder if we'll do the, the easy way or the hard way. <laughs> yeah, space crusades, huh? Maybe get us some space crusades. I don't know. Maybe I'm a pessimist, but that's what I feel like the answer. That is a fascinating... I didn't know that NASA took a poll. What were, what were the results? What were the self-reported results? Um, I didn't read too much into it but they okay. were as far as i know they were just engaging these faith leaders in conversation around the topics i think they brought in a 30 or 40 different faith leaders to have a conversation about it but yeah, i'd be interested to dig more into that and what their discussions were around that'd be fascinating that would be interesting i would i didn't know i was interested in the results until <laughs> you talked about it but now i'd love to hear what the what what, what do people think their their faiths would react like Mm-hmm. You know, there's a really interesting book I read many years ago called The Sparrow, which is about Jesuit missionaries traveling in an asteroid to another planet, mm-hmm. which sounds, and it, it, you know, 
it's actually really it's a tough book to read it's pretty dark <laughs> but uh yeah it's an interesting premise that that is explored um well, that's that's interesting well in this case the aliens came to bab five with their religion so we didn't have to go out and find them oh yeah oh here, here i've written down egg sucking mammaloids they were really <laughs> slinging some they were. <laughs> they were yeah throwing a lot of salt around they were really yeah pretty uh pretty abrasive people i have to say which you know i guess checks out yeah they're not one to make uh, friends easily i imagine yeah yeah worst parents worst eyebrows <laughs> oh my god so anyway all right let's talk about the b plot a little bit the b plot was essentially some ship had a f- you know some other ship traveling to babylon 5 had some kind of fire or, or something and lost their navigation so even right. though they were en route to Babylon 5, now they're flying blind. And I would just like to point out that if this was a halfway efficient route that they're taking to Babylon 5, losing navigation shouldn't affect things too much, right? I mean, ideally in space, you're, you you point the ship in the right direction <laughs> and and then you get there. There's, there's not too much turning, you know, but okay, maybe... Maybe there's more turning in, in, in this particular route. And okay, so they're flying blind and more over, they're in raider space. So they need a, Bab- Babylon 5 needs to send a fighter escort to escort them. And I actually really loved this scene. Sinclair's like, I'll go get Garibaldi. And Ivanova throws a little passive aggressive shit fit. <laughs> that was funny. She just starts going off on Sinclair. Like, oh, I'll just stay here and I'll knit sweaters, I guess. I'll walk to and fro and fro and to. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> it's pretty, it's a lot of, I mean, look, I'm not saying she shouldn't request, you know. This, this is just a very, yeah, passive aggressive, very sassy way to, to you know, ask for an assignment. <laughs> but hey, at least Sinclair didn't, do it himself this time so that's good. yeah no it's true at least he's finally getting his lieutenants but i gotta say you know it, it seems like both garibaldi and ivanova have central critical roles to play on babylon 5 it's better than the commander but still i can't <laughs> help but feel like there's not a squadron leader somewhere you could send out like you have these fighters in their docks you're really sending out your your office staff you know to go and fl- fly them she didn't know that she has 100 hours of combat flying experience. So it's not as though she's inexperienced. Right. Is 100 the number she gave? Because yeah. 100 doesn't actually sound like very much. Yeah, I guess. Depends on the correct context, I suppose. Like 100 hours of combat flying experience where you're shooting bad guys or 100 hours well, of just you know, flying experience. Well, you know, that's fair. That's, you know, yeah. If you're actually, if you're shooting at the, like, I have 100 hours banjo experience and I suck <laughs> at the banjo. So, you know, all I'm saying Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Combat, 100 hours of combat experience would check out. But I gotta say, if that's true, then it really reflects poorly that he's been going to Garibaldi this whole time. He had, yeah. he had, you know, this flying ace on staff, <laughs> and he's having Garibaldi go out and do all the flying missions. Yeah. But anyway, her sass wins the day, and Sinclair lets her go fly the escort. Great fun for Ivanova. Yeah. 
man, I don't know. I don't know how much detail I want to talk about the main plot. Like, there was a bunch of sad scenes, guys. If, you, if you've <laughs> seen the episode, you know. And if you haven't seen the episode, like, there was just a bunch of really sad scenes. Like, okay, Dr. Franklin gives the kid a, a little red egg. And he, and he tells him it's or, or, you know, a piece of industrial goo, which doesn't sound that safe, but okay. And he tells him it's an egg. And he has to, like, stroke it and talk softly to it. And this is, like, ten minutes. You know, the subtext being, like, because we both know you're going to die, so here's an egg to pay attention to. Right? So it was scenes like that. Just a bunch of sad, sad scenes. Yeah, yeah. That'll make your day real sad when you think about kids <laughs> dying. So yeah, I don't know. I don't. There was a some great surgery puns, a good cut to the chase <laughs> a pun when they were talking about surgery. I, I don't yeah. know if it was a on purpose pun, but uh, oh, also okay. So one of the tensions of the episode was Doctor Franklin and his female counterpart, who I don't know the name of, but is also a doctor. Doctor Hernandez. Doctor Hernandez, thank you. And he bets her a stake that he's right about something i don't write about how, the right way to badger parents i it wasn't totally clear what the bet was over especially after franklin just went and badgered them the same way hernandez yeah. was so i think the bet was that he was going to save the kid that was the bet oh, was oh i save the kid one way or another one way or another he's gonna save the kid oh this episode sucked oh my <laughs> god ah all right all right. The writers of this show know that people watch TV for entertainment, right? To enjoy <laughs> themselves. This was like a Tolstoy novel an episode. <laughs> Some people find enjoyment in, in uh, weird things, you know, or difficult things, I suppose. Oh my, my wife reads these historical fiction books, which are, you know, set in really difficult periods, right? You know, the... the one set in the Japanese invasion of China, right? The rape of Nanking. And she keeps mm -hmm. telling me like, oh, you should read them. They're so good. And she kind of tells me a little, I'm like, that sounds horrific. <laughs> that sounds horrific. I don't want to read any of that. Like, it's just, it's just horrible, horrible things happening to the characters. Right. It's like, I don't know, man. I don't want to, I don't want to <laughs> read about that. <laughs> but you want to okay. talk about the, uh, the B plot and finish that up then? Yeah. Let's talk about the B plot. Yeah, so in the B-plot, obviously Ivanova gets her wish to go fly out and help out the transport, which has a uh, broken navigation system. And just to clarify a little something for you, which they haven't really talked about at this point yet, but navigation is 100% necessary when traveling through hyperspace um, because it's really easy to get lost in hyperspace if you can't use your navigation Ah, so that that was the detail I was missing. Oh, but they weren't in hyperspace. If they were in hyperspace, they wouldn't have mattered that they were in raider space. They weren't in hyperspace yet, but they were making their way to the jump point to go into hyperspace. Gotcha. See, this is okay. All right, I was too distracted by the kid dying a plot to catch all these things. Thank you, Eric. All right, proceed. Yeah, yeah and so Ivanova goes out to help out with the ship. They find the ship on the other side of the jump gate hanging out there and they start to make their way to the jump gate and her wingman who despite her telling him multiple times to maintain radio silence keeps talking to her <laughs> um i thought that was funny 
And I didn't c- catch that, but you're right. <laughs> you know, she she did most of the talking. Actually, we only heard the wingman, I think, twice in that whole yep. in the whole series of anyway. Yeah, they find the ship. Yep, they find the ship, and on the way back, they detect a raider scout ship coming to check them out. And she breaks regs and breaks formation to go chase him down and manages to shoot him down only to find out that there's a whole squadron of raiders just a little bit farther away. <laughs> and again, I know I know she shot down a capital B, capital G bad guy. Yeah. But Ivanova was cold as ice. She just so she puts these two like you know, whatever, plasma blaster things right into this ship. It blows up. That guy's <laughs> done. And she just smiles and says, good. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, wow. <laughs> don't don't get on the wrong side of a blaster from Ivanovash. <laughs> Definitely. She is stone cold. You're going to like her in the series. She has a, a few more scenes like that in the future. It's pretty Oh, my fun. God. Oh, my God. I think she should be security officer. I don't know. Like, <laughs> Garibaldi is always cowering behind things and, you know... <laughs> fond of us it was just strolling there like the terminator totally but yeah no so so she blows up the the scout she says good and there's this great bit where her radar has a bunch of little ships (laughs) popping up all over it she says not good (laughs) loved it loved it and then she turns tail and runs really fast as fast as her ship can go right Right. And I think it was established in previous episodes that the, the ships from Babylon 5 are just wholly superior to, uh, you know, whatever the raiders are, are running yeah. with. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, yeah. it does check out that she could, like, shoot down this ship and turn tail and, and make it out alive. And yeah, anyway, well, I mean, I guess if we're wrapping up the B plot. Yeah. So they don't actually go into detail about the space battle, mostly my guess is because of the CGI budget. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, still first season, still a small budget. Yep, yep. Yeah, totally, totally acceptable. You know, we uh, we didn't really see much of uh, the dragons in Game of Thrones until they got really popular and that budget <laughs> right, got right. You know, beefed up. So yeah, we don't really see what happens in detail, but Ivanova gets back and has the, whatever it is, what is it, a refugee ship, a transport yeah, it's just a just a highliner, right? Yeah, okay. ship. There, there's there's families aboard, so you know, her escort mission was successful. But you know, by the way, one comment: they knew that this ship was traveling through Raider space, and they're like, "Oh well, Raiders are bad news." Why did they only send two ships? Well, they sent the Vanova. That's why. Yeah, I guess that's <laughs> that's true. They sent a Vanova, the Stone Cold Killer. Yeah, counted 101 flying hours of combat time now. Yeah, but that's a fair point. I did wonder that myself. When they're like, oh yeah, we'll send out a flight to go help you guys out and pick up your ship, and they send two fighters. I'm like, you guys have an entire squadron of fighters you could send. Right, right. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they didn't expect any problems, but yeah, I thought the same thing. Yeah, anyway, so so she gets back, and Garibaldi greets her and says, or what do you say? How, how to go? Anything to report? Anything? I don't quite remember what he worded it, but she's basically like, "Oh, went fine. Nothing. Nothing happened." And he's <laughs> and like, "And then he brings up the repair bill." <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, he's like, oh, "It's gonna be in a repair for a week." And I gotta be honest, that doesn't sound very long for 
something like, you know, like what is essentially a, a jet fighter, right? But in right. space, you'd think taking weapon damage would be, I mean, I don't know, a week just doesn't seem that long to me, to be honest. <laughs> um, not that I've ever repaired a, a damaged warplane, but yeah. And then, and then, you know, she sort of just brushes it off. She's like, oh, calculated risk. It paid off. <laughs> And then Garibaldi's like, well, it doesn't always. I'll fill you in. And then presumably they tell each other all about their respective yeah. plots. <laughs> well, at that point, they also see like a, uh, a little kid being greeted by his parents at the... Right, the, right, right. A, the, the job well done moment for Ivanova. Yeah. So that was nice. Ivanova got to do a little murdering of her own. And it was yeah. never clear if she ran away from the other raiders or if she by herself just shot down that whole raiding party and you know yeah i don't think she shot down all of them but she might have taken a few of them out while she was escaping gotcha gotcha because i mean they were trying to get i think she got back in formation and she was like we gotta get out of here can we just spare a moment a thought for the raiders (laughs) i mean what a brutal life that must be scratching a living preying on the ships that travel through this section dying dying by the swathes as we've seen they've had a zero percent success rate in what we've seen you know i mean yeah. you know it makes me think they're you know, like pirates of the caribbean right you know billion dollar movie franchise but imagine actually being a pirate <laughs> like yeah. you know living on a tiny wooden ship and de- needing to like fight people who are fighting for their lives to eat you know i gotta anyway my heart goes out to these raiders uh, <laughs> i'm not saying they're not bad people but it's got to be an act of extreme desperation to hang outside bab five and, and just to get shot down by ivanova sounds <laughs> like andrew's picking sides here <laughs> yeah yeah i'm pro raider you can quote me great <laughs> yeah yeah anyway yeah. Let, why don't we address the economic conditions that lead people to need to raid? How about that? Let's start with that, <laughs> and then we'll move on to moral judgments. Fair, fair point. <laughs> all right, all right. Oh, anyway, one of the, the so that's basically the B plot. One of the fun parts about the A plot, one of the only fun parts about the A plot in this whole episode, was the bet between Doctor Franklin and his colleague what, Hernandez, Doctor Hernandez. Yeah, Doctor Hernandez. Um, betting her a stake that he'd save the kid's life and mm-hmm. in the next scene it opens with sinclair asking why do you want to import a stake and his answer is just research <laughs> which i loved which i loved he's like well i'm the science guy so science science yeah no i thought and that then was when great. he was asked who's paying for it he's like um dr hernandez or maybe me yeah we'll find out we'll find out oh boy yeah so that was that was a fun scene i enjoyed that yeah well and then we get into the next scene where where the doctor is like going off on the parents which is of course what he just scolded dr hernandez for doing implying that he's so much uh you know wiser but he's scolding her exactly or scolding the parents exactly the same way like oh you're just gonna let your kid die blah 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 you know this whole time I kept thinking, like, let the kid choose. Just let the kid decide. You know? Like, finally Sinclair asks the kid what his choice would be. Which, good on him. But, Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, and the reason why Sinclair asked the kid is because Dr. Franklin 
I don't remember what the terminology was, requested an injunction, basically asked Sinclair to order him to operate on the kid. Yeah. And Sinclair had to do this big soul-searching thing to figure out if he was going to do it. So the main difficulty here is that the kid is not, at least at this point, at the age of reason, according to intergalactic law, I guess. And therefore, his parents are making the decision for him, which is why Dr. Franklin requested the injunction to temporarily remove them from their parental authority to allow him to operate and save the child's life. Because even if the kid wanted to live, he isn't able to make the decision himself. And to be sure, we have laws like that on the books today, where if you're not, I think, 16 or 18, depending on what state you're in in the US, you can't make decisions for yourself. Um, now, there have been exceptions granted in certain instances, like with abortion and things like that, where depending on the circumstances and your age, you can be granted the ability to make those decisions yourself. But it's a very fuzzy and difficult situation in every circumstance. Yeah. yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And, and you know, in real life, a lot of those cases, you know, end up before a judge. Right. And... I have to be honest, I don't know how they usually go. Honestly, I have no idea. But yeah, no, fair enough. Yep, yep. The He can't make his own decisions. But yeah, man, I, I don't even <laughs> like talking about this episode. It's just depressing. It makes you think about all the real life nutcases, you know, letting mm-hmm. their kids die on their living room floors for, for you yeah. know, I don't know. I'm kinda, I was kind of with Dr. Franklin's thought process on most of this, but yeah. Also, I don't know, he like, it is the far future, but no doctor is allowed to act this way, you know? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it was very, very doctor house where like being right, being correct, excuses all the sort of totally immoral decisions you made along the way, which is just not how it works in real life. To be fair, he did offer his resignation afterwards and like, hey, I have no idea didn't approach this in the right way but he felt he was morally correct and as a result of that he put his resignation up or tried to but the commander wouldn't accept it yeah which you know is a curious decision by the commander because it kind of puts the responsibility back on the commander it does yeah he he had to get out of jail card where he didn't order this and the doctor went rogue and did it anyway right but then by not firing him he's basically supporting that decision and saying like yeah oh yeah Implicit, no, it, it was fine that support. you did that. yeah no that i point. think uh yeah i didn't think that was a very politically savvy decision <laughs> to keep dr franklin around though you know i like dr franklin so fair enough what um, did you think of the uh them intertwining the political aspects with the approaching the various ambassadors to try to get their support and their reasons for not supporting i thought it was interesting how each of the ambassadors had their own reason to not support what they were doing or not getting involved yeah. at least yeah i i also really enjoyed that as well yes uh jakar was basically like you know go screw yourself why would we support <laughs> you everyone else was at least ambassadorial about diplomatic about it right they, everyone else was like oh oh we i'd love to help you land you know lando was like but uh, the budgets, it's so expensive, you know, the paperwork. Think of all the paperwork. It's the, the budget. Yeah. Uh, and then DeLenz was the only one that seemed to be like really sincere, like, no, we're not going to 
<laughs> we're not going to get involved with your with your spiritual matters. Stop asking us. I have to wonder how they got an audience with Ambassador Kosh, though. Like, this guy doesn't talk to anyone, and he's talking to these two. I know, and once again, just casually strolling, like, through the hallways. <laughs> Maybe I made that up. Maybe I... But No, they, they were casually strolling yeah, through the hallways. Casually scrolling through the hallways. I think they decided it was a little weird that Kosh was just always in his room. Right. <laughs> like, you know, always turning his monitor off when people entered. It's like, no, we, he's got to be uh, not quite so creepy. Right. <laughs> so let's have him wandering the hallways. Yeah. Um, but then he answers with a cryptic message. I know. All his yeah. answers are super cryptic. Well, especially because uh, they were like, how would you feel if they operated on someone without their consent? And he said something about the avalanche has already started, but which was a weird cryptic answer. But didn't this exact scenario happen to him specifically? Yeah. Like exactly. he, yeah. And they actually bring that up as well when the commander is making the decision because like the totally yeah he has to make the decision for them because no one else is representing their interests at this point i don't think the parents knew that kosh right they didn't know you know so they were out there like can you even imagine and kosh was like bro don't (laughs) even start yeah yeah and i don't know i i again like i'm not saying the parents were right obviously they were nutcases uh, or, you know, like religious nut jobs. But Dr. Franklin really wasn't right either. He, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, okay, so Sinclair finally refuses the request from Dr. Franklin. He's not going to order him to do the surgery. And his, his explanation was great. He said, Kosh was the camel's nose in the tent. <laughs> this would be the rest of the camel." Right. Which I thought was a fun little saying. Basically saying like, yes, I know I started the precedent with Kosh, but this would this would cement the precedent and I don't want to do that. He's doing something that a lot of politicians lack the backbone to do, which is to confront previous decisions they made and say they were incorrect or along those lines. Yeah, no, it's true. I agree with that. So, okay. He refuses to give the order. You'd think that'd be the end of it, but no. Dr. Franklin's going rogue. As we kind of implied, he does not play by the rules in this episode, and he goes ahead and performs the surgery anyway, and it's a success. Oh, and they have transparent surgery masks, <laughs> which in the current environment of all these like anti-mask whatevers and some people wearing trans, you know, lace just to, just to, you know, be jerks about it. I just thought mm. it was hilarious seeing transparent surgery masks in this show presumably the idea being that okay they're doing surgery but you can still see the actor's face Mm -hmm. uh so okay fair enough but i thought that was funny they perform the surgery and it's a success the kid is immediately cured he's all better and then the parents come in and oh my god he's like and he's like mom dad and they're like, what happened? Did you, you did the surgery anyway, didn't you? And they're like immediately very angry. And then he, the kid tries to come give him a hug and they like pull out a knife. And they're like, get away from us. Get away from us, you demon. I'm like, oh my God, what? Oh my God, this episode never ends. <laughs> so, so they're, you know calling their son a demon and pointing their knife at him and like backing out of the room 
and doctor and the kids you know obviously crying because this is horrible and dr franklin's like everything's gonna be okay i'm like is it is it franklin is it gonna be okay (laughs) yeah yeah man so at this point one would hope that family uh services would come in and you know dude do some counseling or something like that right they need some kind of i mean does babylon 5 not have any mandatory reporters nobody is you know raising flags around here raising any red flags because holy shit i mean the end of this episode was i mean it it was like have you ever seen you ever watch the mist yeah that movie the mist right Mm -hmm. this episode left me feeling like like that movie did uh (laughs) I'm sorry. This this is great podcast content for anyone who hasn't watched all of the specific media I've watched. <laughs> hey, it reminds me of this thing. It reminds me of this thing. But okay, all right, all right. He performed the surgery anyway. The parents now hate their kid. It's a whole big thing. Doctor Franklin's getting chewed out by Sinclair, and then they're called back to the med lab, where the parents are now eerily calm, and they're hanging out with their kid. They're like, we we have the robe of traveling, so we're going to take the kid now. They're being really weird and creepy about it. And this whole time, I'm like, guys, guys, <laughs> guys, don't let them take the kid. Guys. Anyway, but no, they have yeah. the robe of traveling. So, all right, they're going to take the kid. And Dr. Franklin goes back to the lab and his partner's like, well, I finished researching them. And they're they're kind of scanning through their belief. Oh yeah, they they hatch from eggs. Which, by the way, quick tangent. I didn't realize how upsetting it would be to think about human-like creatures hatching from eggs <laughs> until this episode talked about it a lot. And I realized I really didn't like it. Don't I don't like I don't like thinking about humans hatching from eggs. Technically, we come from eggs too. To be honest, you, you know that's fair. That's fair. I guess all mammals technically do come from eggs in a sense. But you know just like feelings keep that shit on the inside okay all right here we go we got to finish this out eric so what do they find on their screen of you know the the great egg the great whatever it's their religion and their beliefs oh oh look it's the robe of traveling and it's for but they don't even they can't even get the words out their eyes go wide and franklin's mouth opens and of course we the audience can infer what it is and sure enough when he runs to catch them he finds the parents and the child where oh in the murder room in the murder room what's a murder room you might ask what's well, a room with about a thousand lit candles all over the place as the only form of illumination and once again once again where are the mandatory reporters huh People right, are watching yeah. these two parents after just pulling a knife on their kids, placing all these lit candles around an eerily low bed that's like just <laughs> concrete, basically looks like what Romeo and Juliet would, Juliet would stab themselves on. And they're like, nope, nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. Just two parents uh, uh, packing up to get back on the shuttle. No. What were they doing in the murder room? Oh, they were they were stabbing their kid to death. That's what they were doing. And that's basically how the episode ends. There's a little bit of Dr. Franklin and Sinclair talking sort of philosophy and, you know, what what does it mean to live? And, you know, don't our 
beliefs make lit life worth living and i i'm just like what what was this episode how <laughs> i don't know the the bab five security is just a joke it's an absolute joke not only do you have time to murder your kid you have time to painstakingly set up a room of lit candles and lit candles on the on a space station on a space station where yeah Exactly. Any kind of open fire is incredibly dangerous. Yeah, you're you're not wrong. Not only is this, if it, you know space stations are high oxygen environment, oxygen of course is what makes explosions explosiony. <laughs> uh, uh, and not only that, but but even you know also it's consuming oxygen, right? A probably right. A precious resource. But also like what do can- candles? No candle burns totally clean, right? There's a bunch of ash and soot coming off of that. It's going to get out into everything. Anyway, I, I'm i with you. I thought, you know, it was a glass at the beach kind of situation where even if you're not drinking whiskey, someone should still clock the glass on the beach and ask you to not drink glass on the beach. Someone should have clocked all these candles. And even if they didn't know it was for a child murdering session, <laughs> they should have been like, "What what's going on here? And who is releasing the kid into these parents, you know, uh, 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 what word am I missing, Eric? Who's custody. releasing this kid into their custody? Sorry, what? Custody. Thank you. Into their custody. <laughs> I mean, they literally just pulled a knife on them. Yeah. Yeah. Where is moments where is ago? Health and family services here. Uh, yeah. That, right. that was one plot hole that was definitely not addressed. Oh, Eric, I feel like the fact that I watched this episode kind of for you, I mean, honestly, I think it's hurt our relationship. (laughs) I had no fun watching this episode. I had a little bit of fun. The Ivanova plot was fun. The steak Mm -hmm. scene was fun. But I had no fun watching this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. This episode was purely a character-building episode for Dr. Franklin. Uh, There's not much else in the episode. Yeah, well, Ivanova got to show off her top gun skills yep but yeah dr franklin makes horrible mistake and instead of dying and thinking he's doing the right thing by his culture this kid gets to live his last moment stabbed to death by his parents yep gg gg (laughs) so not the most fun episode ever no no that was horrific (laughs) that was horrific Oh my god. Egg sucking mammaloids. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Tell me the next episode is more fun, Eric. Well, the next episode involves some interesting intrigue with Garibaldi getting framed for an attempted assassination on the president who's coming to visit Babylon 5 and oh, yeah. survivors. Well, Babylon 5 is exactly where you want to visit if you're going to be assassinated. (laughs) I mean, we have seen a lot of assassinations, attempted assassinations. Uh, Yeah, it's the place. If you're going to get assassinated, Babylon 5 is the place to do it or attempt it. This episode is going to be a bit more interesting, I suppose, or maybe a little bit more fun. We'll see. Great, great. Before we wrap up, though, who was your favorite character in this episode that we watched for Babylon 5? Oh, God. Favorite character. I didn't like any of them. (laughs) Oh, no, that's not true. Ivanova. Come on. This one's got to be an Ivanova. 
episode. She, uh, I mean, you know, I get a little bit whiny asking for the assignment, but she excelled. And, uh, you know, she didn't come home and start bragging. She was just going to keep that all to herself until Garibaldi, you know, kept pressing. So, yeah, I was quite impressed with Ivanova's conduct, most of it at least, uh, this mm-hmm. episode. I'm going to go yeah. with Ivanova. And she had nothing to do <laughs> with this horrible, horrible A-plot. <laughs> yes. Well, you can't win them all. Can't win them all. We keep going. Um, all right. Well, Eric, as we do our traditional sign-off, I do want to just call out uh, how often the word food animals was said in this episode. (laughs) So uh, as you tuck into your food animal, good eating to you. A good eating to you all.